quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. We are your hosts. I am Noelle. And I am Nicole. And welcome to the show. Welcome. It's quite unusual. Quite unusual. Did you guys know that that's Nicole's voice in the intro? Yeah. Well, yeah. The quite is my normal voice. And then I used the monster setting on... Monster um, setting? Garage band. (laughs) Say unusual. (laughs) Fucking nailed it, dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. Pretty fun to do. I was actually wine drunk when I did that, so... It was incredible. It was like... (laughs) It's just magic came out. It was like two months before we started the show, and she's like, I made something. And she sent it, and I screamed... It's so good, dude. Yeah. It was like a one and done situation. I she fucking nailed it. I don't play the piano, but on that night, I played the piano on Garage She channeled Band. Elton John through her fingies. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. It just just flowed through me. Yeah. You just let the yeah. spirit of like, who's a dead pianist... <laughs> The spirit of Elton John. No, he's alive. He's still alive. The spirit of Ray Charles flowed through you that night. He did. Yeah. Mm. It was magical. Magical night. Um, so do we want to talk about our adventure yeah. two nights ago? Yeah. <laughs> we went on a date and it was so nice. We totally did. It's our, well, favorite restaurant mm-hmm. slash also a winery. Love a winery. I'm a wine club member, so... Had a couple bottles to pick up, but we decided that we were going to wine taste before dinner, Uh and the wine taster asked for our our IDs, as one does. Oh, is this what we're going to talk about right now? We're talking about it. I want to talk about it. And so I I pull out my ID, and she's like, okay, good, thank you. And Noelle pulled her ID Mm -hmm. out. I did. But would you like to tell our- uh, It wasn't my ID. (laughs) So I throw down my ID on the counter and slide it over to her, like, take a gander at this one, big mama. (laughs) I did not say that, though. No, she didn't. No. It's very respectful. And she's like, okay, um, that's not you. Yeah, I think we both looked down and and Noelle was like, what? That's not me. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I have an ID. From a 50-something-year-old woman. No, she's not 50. She is. Her birthday is, like... 1960 something for real she looks a lot younger she looks fantastic she aged aged pretty well peggy if you're listening you look fucking great what's her last name i don't remember but i have a strange woman's id and she's from like a neighboring city and the, the funny thing is is that i asked you i was like why do you have whose idea is that like why do you have this id and noelle's like I don't know. I don't know. And then I started panicking because I was like, well, maybe it was some sort of mix up. Like I took her ID somehow. Yeah. She took mine. Well, and that's what the wine taster was like. Oh, maybe it was at like a bar. But you don't you haven't been to a bar since COVID started. Once to our fucking townie bar with you. Yeah. And you didn't open a tab or anything. So it wouldn't have been an issue. No, but I thought we freaky Friday'd our IDs. (laughs) And so I was like frantically looking through my giant ass handbag. And like, sh- like putting like old tissues on the counter, like mm-hmm. contact lenses, like pepper spray, like totally just like <laughs> laying down like all the stuff in my bag, like three apples, like whatever, man, yeah. whatever was in there. Three pairs, Lizzie Borden style. It was really embarrassing. And I found it like at the bottom of my purse. I was like, okay, well, here's mine. And then also, 
um, I guess we're drinking for three tonight because here's Peggy's also. So I don't fucking know. I'm just so like when 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 in your brain if you could try to pick it out. I do not know when could this have happened. Though? I literally have no fucking idea. I have been out to one restaurant, two two restaurants, both times with you. Yeah, have not needed to pull out my ID except so, for once. So, do we think that this happened pre-COVID, pre-COVID. and you've had Peggy's ID? I this almost whole feel, time. <laughs> and it was in my wallet, and then mine was just in the bottom of my bag. Have you been using her? Have you been using Peggy's ID? Oh my god, am I becoming Peggy? Are you Peggy? Do I kind of look like her? Can I pull off? Because she'd be my alter ego. Are you like, yeah. Now I'm just, I'm just confused. The whole thing is just confusing. Are you like a shapeshifter and you just didn't tell me? Yeah. You, you also can, yeah. can what moonlight as Peggy on the weekends. <laughs> what if I'm on my deathbed, right? And I'm like, Nicole, because you're there. Yeah. And because you, you've, you've shot me and I'm dying. And yeah. that's why I'm yes. dying. It's yes. like eight years from now. Um, <laughs> you're just like sick of my shit. You're like, we're done. Bang, bang. I'm on my deathbed. You're there to like million dollar baby finish me off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm like, Nicole, <laughs> it, it hurts to talk. And you're like, shh, shh, shut up. I don't want to fucking hear you talk. Shut your mouth. <laughs> and um, I'm like, I have to, I have to tell you something. And I just shape shift into fucking Peggy. <laughs> and I'd be like, I knew it. And then I go, eh, fuck you. <laughs> and then I die. But do you die as Peggy or Noel? Yeah. Cause Peggy's when Peggy was my original form. <laughs> Your first form. Yeah. Yeah. I have like a painting um, in my attic of Peggy <laughs> that's, that looks like Peggy. And then if I want to transform into her, I look at it and we Freaky Friday. And we oh, switch places. And the Noel like a... that you know and love goes into the painting Dorian Gray style. Mm. And then I become Peggy. Or what's I'm thinking of from Ghostbusters. What's the guy's name? The painting that... With the baby, he comes out to take the baby. What's the guy's name? I don't remember. Fuck, someone is screaming this right now at us. I, all I know is I ain't afraid of no ghost. But you know the painting and he's yeah. got, it's like the evil guy face. Sure. The evil guy face. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes out of the painting. Uh-huh. Is that you? That's me. That's me. But Peggy. Vigo. Oh. Vigo. I knew it was a V. I was like, va, 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 Vigo. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's Vigo, right? It's Vigo. But he takes the baby. I that's how I just picture you having like a Vigo style painting in your house. Yeah, I'm like wearing a full suit of armor. <laughs> and your eyes are like And I'm making like the evil guy face. Really angry. <laughs> and you just steal people's babies. hmm Yeah. Yeah. But actually I'm just begging. <laughs> but you're begging. I'm just like a like a midwestern middle aged mom. Middle aged white woman. I just like hijack a bunch of kids and like take them to soccer practice and like give them healthy <laughs> snacks. Like that's all I do. Like Andrew Rand yeah. by the uh, White Castle. <laughs> yeah. Call it a day. Yeah, I just pick him up, buy him White Castle, and then drop him off safe and sound at the library. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very nice of you. So oh, now now Peggy. you know. Now the world knows. Don't worry, only like three people listen to this, so my secret's not really out. <laughs> so you're Peggy slash Noel. <laughs> Everyone knows. Also, I love how her name is Peggy, and it's not short for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, her ID says Peggy. <laughs> it does say Peggy. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's like a hard path. It's her real name, people. It's not Margaret, because usually Peggy is short yeah. for Margaret. No, like, says, my grandma's Margaret, and people call her Peggy. It but says Peggy. Just straight Peggy. Yeah. Should I befriend her? Should I add her on Facebook? Oh, shit. Yep. Yep. Be like, 
where's my ID? I have yours. Oh my god, I'll take a picture of her ID with today's newspaper. <laughs> Be like, if you want, just this send it in a, a message and don't even don't even say anything. Just, just do the, the picture, <laughs> and then hold like a knife up to it, <laughs> like up to her throat. <laughs> Threaten Peggy over the internet with her own ID <laughs> on my personal Facebook. <laughs> yeah. No, use the podcast. Uh, oh, okay, Facebook. okay. She'll, she fine. won't know which one it is. No, she'll, mm. she'll just, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys couldn't tell, today we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you couldn't tell from that intro. <laughs> we're talking about the black monk of Pontifract. Mm. We're saying Pontifract. I'm saying Pontifract. Pontifract. Pontifract, yeah. That's my best Tom impression. Pontifract. Oh, yeah. That's another good thing. So we have, I mean, we've talked about it before. We we have a couple British friends. Yeah. They have the YouTube show. The YouTube show, Aliens and stuff. And they've actually just been putting out some really cool rap conspiracy videos. So you guys check, should check them out. But so there's three of them. Mm-hmm. And Noelle asked them how they would pronounce this word. Because it's, it's in England. <laughs> and the three of them each gave us <laughs> a different pronunciation. One said Pontifract. Uh-huh. One said Pontifrac. Uh-huh. And then another one said Pontifract. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and I said, thanks, guys. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, they're all different. <laughs> so I guess don't. Don't give a shit if we mispronounce this because we we consulted the experts. We did. They didn't even know. And they were all over the place. (laughs) So we're probably going to mix it up. Pontifract, 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 Pontiac, like whatever (laughs) we want to say. We're just going to lay it down. Okay. Yeah, we're going to say it. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll just jump into it because um, Peggy is not going to get out. So I got to go check on her really quick. Yeah. And without further ado, the black monk of Pontifract. So before we get into the actual haunting, which some people say is England's version of the Amityville Horror, but I guess also without all the money grabbing and lies and all that, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. No Warrens. No, no. no. Mm -hmm. But before we get into all of that, let's go into the history of the town and get a little background on the monk. Ah, yes. Geography. Our forte. Yes. As you all well know, the Black Monk is believed by some to be the most violent poltergeist in all of Europe. Wow. Which I don't really think that that can be true. No. I mean, how do they judge that? Most violent in the UK, maybe? But I mean, there's got to be some crazier shit going down in Europe. Europe is so big. (laughs) Yeah. It's insanely big. I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. But also, how do you dispute it? So I guess they can kind of say whatever they want. Exactly. Anyways, the Black Monk has been active for over 50 years, with multiple people from all over the world experiencing his hauntings. And even the town of Pontefract supports his existence. I mean, they say it does take a village. (laughs) To support a poltergeist? Yes. Is that the saying? Yeah, it takes a village to raise a child and support a poltergeist. Mm, Mm -hmm. Right, right. You gotta polter heist him up and hold him. The way, he, the way he deserves to be held. The poltergeist, as we're going to call it, has been referred to as Mr. Nobody and was called Fred by the Pritchard family, who we'll get into a little bit later on. I like Fred. I like Fred, too. It makes I him do. seem, like, cute and funny and, like, nice, yeah. you know? Kind of nice, right? I'm also picturing him as, like, a Muppet. 
Which is kind of cute. Like a Muppet mm. named Fred, but like kind of like a super spooky one. Yeah. Like if Jim Henson like did too many mushrooms and he's like, I'm going to make a really <laughs> fucked up Muppet. And he did. And like it really scared children and mm. they had to take it off of Sesame Street. But they still keep it, though. They oh, still yeah. have it just in case. Like he has it in his just closet. Just in case. Uh-huh. And that's Fred. <laughs> yeah, I support it. I support mm-hmm. it. Later on, though, this entity became known as the Black Monk because people who have seen this apparition state that he seems to be wearing long black monk robes. He's goth. There was also a picture captured of this poltergeist that we'll obviously post to the grid or Facebook, too, I guess. But the picture is a reflection of something in a mirror, and the reflection in the mirror it sort of looks like a monk, I will say. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's really creepy. It's very creepy. He's got, like, the monk haircut. Oh, like a bull cut? <laughs> yeah. No. You can see it in the picture. I'm going to look it up right now while you're... What? Super spooky. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. Can't wait. Don't look in any mirrors, because maybe the monk will be looking No, I'm going to throw up my mouth right now. Stop. <laughs> there is actually also something to this monk theory... Because Pontefract is a historic market town in Yorkshire, England. And from 1090 to 1539, Pontefract housed a priory, which was a Cluniac monastery dedicated to St. John the Evangelist. Oh, I thought it was dedicated to George Clooney. A Cluniac? Yeah. That's what I call myself. (laughs) Well, no, it was it was dedicated to St. John the Evangelist. Right, not, well, that's a little disappointing. Not George Clooney. To be honest. But this monastery housed, you guessed it, monks. Monks. What if they were called monk? Like, what if that's how you said it? Like, monk. Everyone had to say it like that? Yeah, like, that's how you pronounce it. Monk. It'd be extremely annoying. <laughs> monk. Monk. Uh, we would probably just think it was normal, though. Yeah. Monk. Please stop saying it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Paranormal researcher Tom Cuniff. Is that how we're saying it? Sure. Cuniff? Cuniff? Cuntiff? Tom Cuntiff. There's no T in it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there. Cuniff. We'll say Cuniff. You'll say Cuniff. You're going to say Cuntiff? I'm going to say Cuntiff. Okay. Well, all right. I'm going to like bleep it out and then like replace it with my own (laughs) voice saying Cuniff. Fucking can you please? Okay, ready? I'm going to get the track right now. Cut it. <laughs> I'll just cut that out. <laughs> Paranormal researcher Tom Cuniff discovered this little tidbit of info while spending years digging into the famous case. It's rumored that one of these monks raped and then strangled to death a young girl in the town of Pontefract. Uh, a monk would never do that, but a monk... Would absolutely oh, totally. do that. Oh, like all day. When the townsfolk discovered what he did, they hung him from the gallows that resided at the highest hill in town. And then they threw his body in a well. And this was during the reign of Henry VIII. It's rumored that across from where these gallows used to be, now lies the home where the Pritchard family experienced these hauntings at 30 East Drive, Pontefract in West Yorkshire, England. Have you ever had a Yorkshire pudding? No, I don't think I have. Very good. What's in it? 
It's what's it made of? It's like a little. Have you ever had a popover? No. Oh my god, Nicole, let me bake for you. <laughs> Please do. It's like a little use, um, like Sunday roast style. You like use the drippings, but you're vegetarian, so like when I make it for you, I'll just use like vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little like delicious eggy bread thing that gets all crispy on the outside oh. and soft on the inside. It looks like this. What my fingers are doing. That's what it feels like to eat. It's so good. <laughs> Please make me one. I'm very interested now. On top of that, Tom Cuniff also found that the home itself was built on top of a battleground. So, yeah, I'd say that the land is a pretty perfect location for a violent haunting. Yeah, no shit, dude. Perfect storm here. Mm -hmm. Actually, the town of Pontefract is sort of just like a hotbed of paranormal activity. I mean, as previously stated, it lies on a battleground. Civil wars were fought in Pontefract, and King Richard II was rumored to have been murdered at Pontefract Castle in the 1400s. And I guess just the town itself is old as shit, so, I mean, there has to be ghosts just running around willy-nilly, right? Oh, dude, for sure. England is, like, everything is so old there, and this country is only, what, like, 400-something years old? Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, we built that turn of the century. And it's just like everything <laughs> still is there. so, like, fucking old. And people live in, like, 1,000-year-old homes. Yeah. Like, it's just chill. I just picture all of England to be haunted. I'm pretty sure that, like, it is. <laughs> we'll consult the aliens and stuff, boys. Yeah, we'll ask I, her. I would put money British on it friends. that it's completely haunted. Every square inch. Every, mm-hmm. Everywhere you go. Yeah. If a you're, ghost. If you're from England, let us know on a scale from one <laughs> to haunted. haunted as fuck. How haunted is it? Yeah. People other than the Pritchards have reported ghostly things happening around the town of Pontefract. As we know, land can retain negative energy from the past, and, well, when you have that, ghosts and poltergeists are bound to follow. To add to that, the house is said to have been built over a giant well. Oh. The same well, the body of the monk was supposedly thrown down. Okay, gross. This is a real ring situation right now. Yeah, I know. Hard ring vibes. Also, was it drinking water? And they, like, threw him in there and were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Dave, think that one, Fru. That's, I, that's a perfect Yorkshire <laughs> accent right there. We'll have to consult our British friends yeah. on that, too. Okay, perfect. Even vacation review sites claim that the property may seem a little bit damp because it's literally located over a giant well. You know what what I always look for in vacation rentals? Dampness. (laughs) Yeah, That's what I look for, too. How damp is this place? Because if it's not that damp, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. Some paranormal researchers believe that water could attract spirits as well. Just sort of adding to, I guess, the horror story here. Water can generate a lot of energy, and ghosts and spirits feed off of energy in order to manifest, or, I guess, open a door, or crash a vase or something. Yeah, we've we've talked about this a lot. Um, like, a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was just us, because really, the lines <laughs> of my life tell. blur a lot. Um, but yeah, this is like a total, like, haunting trope. Like, ghosts right. fucking love water, dude. If there is running water under your home and the history of the land isn't very pure, chances are you're going to have ghosts. Mm -hmm. There's another theory that the monk actually didn't murder the girl at all. What? Some people say it was the monk's brother who raped and murdered the young girl and that the monk took the blame for it to protect his raper brother, which doesn't make sense. 
However, some people believe the story of a violent monk is just bullshit and that there were never monasteries in the area at all. Even though it was proven by Tom Cuniff, some people just still call bullshit on that theory altogether. Other theories suggest that the entity was a twin and was blamed for the evil deeds of his twin brother and was wrongfully hanged for the rape and murder of the little girl. All right, so if we're going with the, the twin theory, I have just a quick, just a super quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, the monk hairstyle... Did they both have it? <laughs> no, they because thought they. This is the theory. If we aren't thinking he's a nun or a monk, oh, okay. I must call him a nun. <laughs> well, what's a nun? But I think it's like all monks are nuns, but not all nuns are monks. Yeah. But they're all monks. <laughs> monks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is if the people, because some people don't even believe okay. that the monk theory is so, a thing. Some people just believe it was just a dude and his brother, and he got blamed for his brother's murder, basically. Okay. But then I have another question. Um, Just a hypothetical here. Mm -hmm. So if he wasn't a monk, Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing that out, who gives a shit if he was covering for his brother? Because at this point, it's just like a dude, and like like the lore isn't that cool, so... Well, they're not... The theory is that he didn't cover for his brother, that he he was just accused... They believe this is the reason for the poltergeist's violence and rage because he is just forever seeking revenge for being punished for the misdeeds of his evil brother. Totally makes sense, dude. Yeah. Should have done the required reading. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Either way, though, the area is ripe with activity and it is basically the perfect place for violent energy to manifest and wreak havoc. To get a good grasp on this story, we need to fully understand what a poltergeist is. I mean, obviously, it's a sick-ass 80s horror movie. Oh, hell yeah. We all fucking know, right? Mm. I mean, it does kind of give a great example of what a poltergeist is. Yeah, that movie is... It's pretty terrifying. Badass. I yeah. can't even, like, like picture its face without, like, getting creeped out. What's face? Poltergeist. Which, the guy with the hat? There's a lot of... <laughs> oh, like the spooky guy. Oh, yeah, the guy with, like, the hat? Is yeah. That what you're about? It just, yeah, it, like, freaks me out, dude. I don't know. I always think of Tangina, the little, with the um, voice. Yeah. She comes in and helps them. Yeah. She's my favorite. I don't like that movie, so we're going to stop <laughs> talking about it, okay? I'm not good with horror movies. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I know you do. In layman's terms, a poltergeist is a ghost that physically disturbs the space that it occupies, but it's so much more than that, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Also, we're going to fall in a conspiracy corner in a little bit, and I'm super thrilled. The word poltergeist is German, if you couldn't tell. Polter comes from the root word poltern, which means... I feel like I should be giving this in a German accent. (laughs) The word poltergeist is German. Polter comes from the root word polten, which means to make noise or to rumble. And then geist means ghost. So it's like a little rumble ghost. A rumbly ghost. How cute is that? Aww. I know, rumble ghost. Not so scary anymore now. I'm not scared. I'm not scared either. A French parapsychologist named René Sudra coined the term therapism, which means to make an uproar or make noise. So that's just like the French version that never took off because poltergeist is such a cool word. Oh, mm. okay. So the French tried to steal it and give it their own term, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't as badass as poltergeist. Yeah, and like the Germans like took them to school on it. <laughs> poltergeist. Oh, and oh boy, baby. 
do these things make a lot of polter? Mm. They're rumbly. Poltergeists are not necessarily unlike other spirits or ghosts, but they are truly identified by the disturbances that they cause. They are usually depicted as causing physical harm, like tripping, pushing, biting, hitting, pinching, basically like... If you ever met a two-year-old that just learned the word no, and then they're like, we're going to see how far we can take this, and yell no at you, and then like also pinch you and bite you at the same time. And kick our feet just in every direction that we possibly can. 110%. Mm. That's a poltergeist. Yeah. Toddlers don't exist. <laughs> they're they're, all, they're poltergeist. all poltergeists. Yep. Poltergeists, also like toddlers, will create loud noises. They knock things down. They break things. And they have been known to make things levitate, which is very fun. Just like a toddler. Toddlers constantly are <laughs> levitating shit. It's honestly very annoying. I don't really see the difference between the two at this point. No. They're one and the same to me. Virtually identical. <laughs> also, toddlers love to live in wells. So just another thing. You know what? I'm connecting a lot of dots here. If you have a two-year-old yeah. in your house, call the fucking police. <laughs> get, get an exorcism. <laughs> call Oh, an exorcist right now. They're traditionally known to haunt people instead of places. So this is one of the biggest differences between like a poltergeist and a regular ghost. Mm -hmm. Ghosts haunt places or things. Mm -hmm. Poltergeists haunt people, which is very, very fun. Yeah. I personally 100,000% believe this. And this is where I'm going to fall into conspiracy corner just for a second. So if you'll indulge me... <laughs> Here we go. Spirits feed off of electricity, right? Or like electrical current. Right. Energy. Totally. Mm -hmm. And our human bodies basically run off electricity, right? Yeah. We because, got a lot of energy flowing through our bones. Yes. But even more so like from a scientific standpoint, our cells conduct electrical currents, which powers our nervous system and like our brain like synapses. It's like literal electricity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And our bodies are just like basically made of elements a lot we, of water yeah yeah we're elementals okay <laughs> so like sodium potassium magnesium whatever everything that's in your flintstone vitamin is inside your body right now all of these elements have specific electrical charges which are called ions okay our bodies use these ions to generate electricity obviously we have positive and negative ions like all up inside our business and the passing of these charges between the little baby lipid layer of our cells causes an electrical current. So pretty much what it boils down to is that we are sentient potato batteries. <laughs> like from science class. <laughs> uh -huh. And poltergeists just like plug right into us and then they fuel off our electrical currents. And they got that the light bulb just turns on. Bing! Going along with this, poltergeists are very fond of fucking with electronics. Mm -hmm. Like when electricity was invented, they're like, hell yeah, dude. And they all high-fived. It was They were so <laughs> stoked for it. They can cause televisions to turn on and off, computers to receive weird jumbled up messages or like emails that are just total gibberish. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. They can actually type emails. Well, not very well. Like, they're not oh, great. Yeah. They never took typing class. What if it's just like a, you have to just decipher it, though? And really, there's Ooh. a message there. It's like a Zodiac situation. Yeah. And it's just like, hi, I'm Randy. <laughs> I'm Randy the poltergeist. <laughs> Randy, the, Randy the rumbling poltergeist. <laughs> and he's actually really nice. Yeah, he just wants a friend. Like a pen pal. Aww. That's all he wanted. Oh, Randy. 
They also can cause phones to take screenshots or randomly become drained of battery, which we've seen in so many just like all of these paranormal investigation shows. Like, yeah. what? The battery is drained right now? But it was full charge like a minute ago. But yeah. then it's totally dead. Right. They also love shorting out wires and fuses and just generally have like a really great time causing electrical disturbances of all sorts. I have a feeling that they're in cahoots with the electrical companies, okay? Oh. Yeah, they're paid off by GE. They're on the payroll. <laughs> to cut. To run up your bill really high. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Oh. Makes sense. Two parapsychologists called Nandor... This is my favorite name ever. Ready? Nandor Fodor. That reminds me of uh, what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Nandor. Nandor. Can we actually be Nandor Fodor and William G. Roll for Halloween? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So Nicole and I, the parapsychologist, Nandor Fodor <laughs> and William G. Roll, they sound like fake names. They do too. sound like fake names. Well, my name's uh, Bill G. Roll. Yeah. And I'm uh, Nandor Fodor. <laughs> yes. yes. We will, we'll go with those. So they believe that poltergeist activity can be explained away by psychokinesis. Psychokinesis is also known as telekinesis, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Mm -hmm. This is a psychic ability to move objects with your mind. So think like spoon bending or levitating. Right. So basically to explain away a haunted spirit, they simply said, well, it's actually probably just a superpower that a regular human being has. And they're like, that's it. You can just throw shit with your mind. Um... Not a ghost. You just have psychic powers. So instead of believing in ghosts, uh-huh. they want to go the route of a human has yeah. powers to levitate things and move them on their own? Uh-huh. Pretty simple. Uh-huh. Makes obvious sense, doesn't it? Yeah. that Definitely not a ghost. Yeah. I believe a man named Nandor Fodor came up with that. That's for sure. And Bill Roll. Yeah. Bill, Bill G. Roll and Nandor Fodor were like, oh, we oh, have an idea. I mean, I, I would go... I would think ghosts would be more simple than humans with powers, but... No, yeah, you're, I don't know. you're incorrect. Oh. Consult Nandor on this one. <laughs> My favorite explanation of poltergeists is that they are manifestations of low-level disembodied spirits who belong to the sixth class of the third order. What is that? I was going to say, you're probably asking what the fuck, <laughs> the fuck? that means, right? <laughs> well, sit down and let mama tell you, sugar. Mm. So think of it like how I think of everything in life, like Dungeons and Dragons, because D&D is life. Okay. Okay. So spirits, according to the Book of Spiritualism, which was written by Alan Kardec, which we have to do an episode on. Alan Kardec? Or this book? Both. Or both? Combine. Okay. Yeah. Very fun. Very fun. I got lost doing, like, this outline took me so much longer because I got lost doing research on this instead. So this guy basically invented the spiritualism movement. So oh. you can break down ghosts and spirits into classes and order. I have never heard of this before. I'm obsessed with this. We're obviously not going to go into all of them because there's so many, but I was yeah. dying to. The sixth class is neutral spirits. Okay, that's another D&D term thrown into the mix here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what they're actually... Like, I didn't put in a D&D word. Like, that's what it is. Oh, no. I believe you. I, okay. wasn't, I wasn't accusing you. <laughs> I mean, D&D's life, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it is. All right. So these spirits are not good enough to do good deeds, but they're not bad enough to do bad deeds. So they just simply exist, like, in a plane 
sort of like we do. Okay. So they're floating aimlessly looking for like little pleasures so they can do like small bad things, small good things, but they don't align good or evil. So they just basically do whatever they feel like. And if it's bad, then it's bad. If it's good, then it's good. Yeah. Like us. Oh. Like 100% oh. just like us. Free will. Like the gin uh-huh. from last episode. Exactly. So they attach themselves to people that they like to kind of like hitch a ride on like this dopamine train oh, that they're searching suck for. Suck their energy. Mm-hmm. So they want to live vicariously through the person experiencing these little pleasures that the poltergeist misses from life. Okay. The third order is made up of imperfect spirits who still haven't fully realized that they're dead. Oh. So they're ignorant, they're arrogant, they're egotistical, and they try to control physical matter over spiritual matter because they still think that they're alive. So this is like Gina Davis and that one Baldwin mm-hmm. from Beetlejuice. Is that Alec Baldwin? Yeah. I know. He looks so different. Looks so different. He looks so different. He's actually kind of hot in that movie. I know. And then now look at him. Well, I mean, he's older. But okay. So we got Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, Beetlejuice. That's what this class yeah, is. Yeah. Or like Bruce Willis at the end of Six Months. <laughs> yes. Wait, he was dead the whole time? He was a fucking poltergeist, bro. Uh, he ruined it. I haven't seen that movie oh, yet. I'm sorry. Spoiler. So this to me makes absolute perfect sense, honestly, because we know that a poltergeist loves to throw shit around, like they love to touch physical objects. Mm-hmm. And we know that they attach themselves to to people because they kind of want to like live through like this little like life that the person is living through because they right. don't believe that they're 100% dead. Mm-hmm. So it makes perfect sense I'm that they would trying to latch this. on to something. Mm-hmm. Like a leech or a succubus. <laughs> no, poltergeists like to attach themselves to people, but they usually attach themselves to only one person. And this is called an agent of focus. So think like a stage four clinger. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you want to put it in like Jersey short terms. Sure. Sure. Which we do. We do. We always do. This story, not to get ahead of us here, is a little bit interesting because there's two agents of focus, Mm -hmm. which isn't typical of a poltergeist. Oh, interesting. One more super fun thing about poltergeists, which is not often seen, is that they have the ability to apport objects. Apportation is the ability to make physical objects appear out of thin air. So, like, if I just poofed, like, I don't know, what do you want? Uh, Yorkshire pudding. A Yorkshire pudding. There it is. <laughs> so it just apported you a Yorkshire pudding. Fuck yeah, dude. How is it delicious? Mm, it's so good. You guys got to try this. Unbelievable. You know, I'll port you one. Hold on. <laughs> or they teleport objects from one place to another. This is also, this also sometimes manifests with physical objects moving through other physical objects. What? So like a bowl will move through the door of a cabinet without the door moving. What? That's insane. So fun, right? That's crazy. I love a good poltergeist. I mean, like, the funnest ghost. Of all the ghosts, ranked, like, one to, like, the funnest ghost. Yeah. Uh, Casper is, like, at the bottom. Well, he's technically a poltergeist, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I guess he is. Well, he haunts a building. Oh. But he's a toddler. (laughs) No, he's a boy. He's Devin Sawa. (laughs) Oh, right. right. (laughs) Shit, sorry. He becomes a boy, and he's, like, super hot Devin Sawa, and you're like... This was you the whole time? Why wouldn't you just haunt me as your form? He was dead the whole time. It's another Bruce Willis situation. Wow. Every movie should end with the main character being dead the whole time. (laughs) From here on out. (laughs) From here on out. All right. 
Uh, I love a poltergeist. I like to imagine that this is the party ghost. Yeah, for so. sure. Definitely the ghost with the most. The ghost is with the, the most. The ghost is with the mostest. Aww. Mostest humor. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. more about this poltergeist. So now that we have a bit of background on the town and the monk and monk. I guess poltergeists in general. Yeah. Let's get into the meat of the story. Delicious. The haunting of the Pritchard family. In August of 1966, Joe Pritchard and his wife, Jean, her mother, Sarah, and their two kids, Diane, age 12, and Philip, age 15, moved into the three-bedroom, semi-detached house at 30 East Drive in Pontefract. It all started when parents, Jean and Joe, went away for a short little vacation over a bank holiday, and they left the children at home with their grandmother, Sarah. It was Philip and his grandmother, Sarah, that experienced the first of these strange encounters. You know what I'm picturing right now? You know that what? episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Dewey has the old lady as the babysitter and yeah. they dance to that ABBA song and then she dies? Fernando. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm picturing. I mean, that's basically what it was like. While Sarah was in the room knitting, Philip walked in and said he saw a fine layer of chalky dust fall from midair. Hmm. Not the ceiling mid-air and he said that this chalky dust just settled on every surface wow philip pointed this out to his grandmother and she too noticed the strange dust and agreed that it was not falling from the ceiling but instead from about shoulder height oh dandruff (laughs) just like a ton of dandruff maybe the poltergeist had dandruff like an embarrassing amount though To get another adult's perspective, Sarah went across the street to her other daughter's house and had Philip's aunt come over to see this phenomenon for herself. Do you think that if a ghost has um, dandruff, they use Selsun Boo? (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited to say that. (laughs) Did you have that one ready in your pocket? No, I didn't. It just come to you. It just came to me, but I didn't want to interrupt you. All right, it's amazing. When they brought the ant back, the powder was still falling around the room. <laughs> I just keep on thinking about Sulsen Boo. <laughs> this may be like the best joke I've made all year. I think it is. Not really knowing what else to do, they decided to clean it up, and when they went to grab some cleaning supplies, they noticed a large puddle on the floor. Philip's aunt mopped up the mess, and as soon as she would clean the water, another puddle would show up. And this happened several times. So every time she would clean up a puddle, another one would just reappear. That would be so frustrating. So frustrating. (laughs) Thinking there was, I don't know, possibly a leak, they called someone from the water company to come out and check. And he could not find a reason as to why the puddles kept showing up. And from our Don Decker case, if you guys listen to The Bad Things of Summer, we know that poltergeists have a thing for water. Yeah. You know what they should have done? What? They should have taken their cash register crucifix crucifix and just laid it in the puddle. Probably would have mopped it up. Yeah. But they didn't. Well, rookie mistake. Anyways, this incident would be the first of many that the Pritchards would suffer throughout the years. In the beginning, activity wasn't really that frightening for the family. It was more so just like a nuisance. Yeah, just like fucking puddles everywhere and like dandruff everywhere. (laughs) Things like lights going off and on, a tea dispenser button would go on and off by itself, 
gross green foam would sometimes come out of the taps. Oh, dude. Like ectoplasm. Yeah. Cupboard doors would shake, and even a pair of fur women's gloves began to float around the home mm-hmm. as if someone were wearing them and motioning and interacting with people in the home. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake yes. your body line. Like, I, I think in one instance, the gloves were making, like, the, the come-hither motion. Ooh, at Sarah. She was like, oh, oh, Neville. Which to me is, like, fucking hilarious. Like, if you saw that, wouldn't you just laugh? I would laugh so hard and be like, hey, big boy. It actually reminds me of a story. So okay. we're going to sidebar a little bit here. But oh, we'll we never do that. It. So I don't no, know. No, we never do. So when I was little, I was very sick and I had a really high fever. And I was laying in bed. And my little brother's coat was hanging on the back of the door, and the door was closed. And I was so feverish that I hallucinating his coat dancing. What? And it's funny because I can still picture this coat dancing. What? In my head today. Can you do it for me right now. Like, what was it like? It was like, no, it's so cute. Like, I'm 30 years old now, and I had to have been, like, I don't know, maybe, like, five or six at the time, but it was, like, the arms were going back and forth, and then, like, the shoulders were even – it's it's really hard to explain. I just did it for normal. It's so cute. <laughs> but I, I thought it was, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen, and so I was laughing, and my mom came in the room, and she listens to the podcast. She probably doesn't remember this, but I remember it because it was, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So she comes into the room and she's like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, Adam's coat is dancing. And I remember as soon as I said that, she like grabbed me and yeah. threw me in a cold bath oh, because no. like, I don't know, my brain was probably frying at yeah. that point. Like you were like getting brain damage. <laughs> right. Which explains a lot, actually. And the coat was dancing. It's like, you're going to be just like me when you're done with your brain fried, Nicole. Uh-huh. That's really cute. I know. It's actually, it's one of my fondest memories from when I was a child. <laughs> the dancing goat. The dancing goat. But anyways, the Pritchard family hauntings started off as innocent shit like that. And the family was just living with it because that's all they could do. I mean, they even gave the ghost a name. They called him Fred. Fred. Which is adorable. Fred the Scary Muppet. <laughs> It was then that the local press got word of this haunting, and the press dubbed the entity Mr. Nobody. It's kind of rude. I know, right? He has a name. It's Fred. It's Fred. With their story out in the open, many people called bullshit on the Pritchards and just thought they were straight up lying. Well, that's usually what happens. (laughs) Yeah, that's typical. But for the most part, activity was tame and was really sporadic. Sometimes they'd go months without any activity, and then something would happen. And then for about two years, things really quieted down. That is until Diane, the youngest, started to go through puberty. And that is when things really escalated. And some paranormal researchers believe that children, that the children were the targets of the poltergeist, because if you remember Philip at the time when they first moved in, mm-hmm. was around 15. So, raging hormones. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. And now it was Diane's turn because when they first moved in, she was 12. And now she was around the age of 14. Mm-hmm. And hell hath no fury like a teenage girl going through puberty. Mm-mm. Potted plants would be picked up out of the pot and thrown downstairs with the pot just still sitting upstairs. 
Items were being levitated and thrown across the room, and pictures were being slashed, almost as if somebody had a knife and was just, like, slashing pictures around the house. It's very dramatic. Like, it was, like, Zorro style. <laughs> yeah. With an F, though, for Fred. Yeah, for Fred. <laughs> Foul smells started to emanate from the house, and heavy dressers would sway back and forth. Loud crashes would just come from the floorboards out of nowhere, too. Mm. What was once an innocent little ghosty friend named Fred was now turning into something far more sinister, and the Pritchards thought they might have something demonic on their hands. He started as a Fred. He ends up as a Friedrich. (laughs) Especially because a bunch of upside-down crosses started to manifest on their walls, and the crucifixes that the family did have hanging in the house were just destroyed. Just destroyed out of nowhere. What about the one that they had in their cash register? That one was safe because it was a cash register crucifix. (gasps) Makes so much sense. The Pritchards reached out to a Catholic church, and a priest was brought in to bless the home. And he even performed an exorcism to try to rid it of any malicious spirits. It didn't work. Like, at all. Yeah. Really, it just seemed to make the entity even more pissed off, which Mm -hmm. I think is a thing that usually happens in cases like this. Yeah, I think so. Also, they probably should have called, like, a clunatac. What are they called? Cluniac. They should have have called a cluniac priest because... George Cluniac? Yeah. They... they, it probably would have worked, you know. They would he would have been starstruck. Fred would have been like, "Oh my god, can I get your autograph?" Yeah, and then it totally would have resolved itself. Totally, I I believe that one hundred percent. Well, in the second phase of activity that the family experienced, the black monk became very aggressive by slapping people in the face, shoving family members, and throwing items at the Pritchards. But most of these aggressive physical encounters seemed to be directed all at Diane. Diane would wake up with scratches and bruises all over her body. She would awake to the sound of heavy breathing and undefined voices in her ears. That would make me vomit. Yeah. Terrifying. She was thrown out of bed several times, her mattress like thrown into the air, very dramatic, and was even dragged up the stairs by her throat. (gasps) by what seemed to be an invisible hand, because afterwards, the mark of a handprint was left on her neck. Wow. Wasn't wearing the gloves, though. Not this time. So this is actually, like, a super common thing with hauntings and, like, poltergeists and stuff, where when a girl basically gets, like, her first period ever, Mm -hmm. the extreme shift in her body hormones like causes like a rift through like the space-time continuum really pretty much yeah dude and then like ghosts the fucking fuck? feed off of this energy like heavily and really? it'll fade over time it's a poltergeist thing that yeah. they do mm-hmm. i didn't know that well they're just poltergeists trying to look for a poltergale so you know wow yeah it's like a huge thing though it's like seen in so many different hauntings it's always the first period wow uh-huh. that never happened to me no because you want it too bad Such a shame yeah i'm sorry diane was also choked and slapped around and multiple people witnessed this attack her hair would stand up and look as if someone w- was pulling it and holding it up so rude while diane got the brunt of the physical abuse other people visiting the house reported being held down pushed slapped and also punched one visiting relative also apparently had an entire jug of milk poured over his head yeah it's fucking sick dude you know what he should have just like 
opened his mouth and like chugged it. <laughs> he was like, he would have flipped it around on that poltergeist. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> the first time the entity manifested itself was when Joe and Jean were lying in bed and caught a glimpse of the black monk when they spotted a dark apparition floating over their bed wearing monk's robes i would flip the fuck out dude same like learning about this was freaking me out (laughs) it's because you live in a haunted house i know and i'm very scared of ghosts after this other members of the family started to spot the monk but no one could ever catch a peek at the apparition's face he was always described the same way wearing dark robes with a hood covering his face looking like something a medieval monk would wear. Even neighbors and locals would claim that they spotted this entity, some stating they witnessed it prowling around the property at night. What a cool word. I know. Prowling. I love that description. And sometimes he would be wearing the woman's (gasps) fur gloves. Aww. I mean, it's called fashion. Have you ever heard of it? (sighs) Fucking heard of it. Which I think would be fucking hilarious to see. I'm going to make a meme that's like that Devil Wears Prada one where they're like, are you wearing the the women's fur gloves? Yeah. (laughs) It was then that the family decided to call in paranormal researcher Tom Cuniff. Cuniff. (laughs) Tom Cuniff, who I mentioned a little earlier. He was actually the one who figured out the monk connection. He also figured out that the girl who was raped and murdered was around the same age as Diane at the time of her death. Oh, wow. Possibly why the entity was so keen on messing with her. What a dick move. However, shortly after the physical manifestation of the monk appeared, the hauntings and the violence just stopped. Weeks would go by and the family would brace themselves for something to happen, but it never did. It was almost like the ghost just got bored and just decided to leave the family alone. Or, hear me out, she had her first period, kind of like went through that a little bit, oh. and then it faded, and he's like, I'm out. Yeah. her, you're too, you're too old for me now. Her haunting lasted nine months. I don't know if that's significant, but... I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Sort of weird. But despite this, the Pritchards ended up moving out of the house, and in 2012, when a movie based on the haunting called When the Lights Went Out... The house was purchased by Bill Bungay, the producer of the film. And the house is now a bed and breakfast. And you can even go visit and spend the night and do your own ghost hunting, as several others have done so. The Pritchard family weren't the only ones that had encounters with the Black Monk. Like you said earlier, neighbors, townspeople saw it all over the place. And what I love is that the story has never been debunked. Which means, in my opinion, it's completely bunked. And bunked means real. <laughs> okay, it's like what? You know, like how like a bunked bed is like the only real bed proven to exist. Yeah, that's true. All others are fake. Yeah, all other beds are like debunked, mm-hmm. except for bunked beds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I sleep in bunk beds. <laughs> There's also more room for activities, so everyone so should. Much, so much more room. <laughs> there are hundreds more sightings of the black monk himself. The Pritchard's next-door neighbor, Carol Fieldhouse, claimed to have seen a tall spectral figure in a hood on several occasions. She never mentioned the gloves. Well, she was just jealous because she didn't have them. That's why. That's right. She's green with envy. Like, where did he get those fucking beautiful? So the way that the house is sort of laid out, it's kind of like, it's two houses, like a, what do you call that? Semi-detached. 
Yeah, but, but it's like, like there's two houses next to each other. Yeah, and then they share an interior wall. Yeah. So sort of like townhouse, but just like the one, right? Duplex is the word I was looking for. Oh, is that what a duplex? Yeah, so it's like two houses and then they share an interior wall. Mm-hmm. So Carol can hear loud bangs and thumps coming from the Pritchard side. And it usually happens between 3 and 4 a.m. Mm, the witching hour. Which is so fun, right? Yeah. She also claimed to have seen a blue floating ball of light energy in the corridor of the Pritchard's home on more than one occasion. She also sees black shadows of a very tall entity coming through the wall into her own home. I was going to ask, if the house is attached, like Mm -hmm. it's only separated by a wall and it's built on this well, I would Mm -hmm. think that she would get some of this activity too. Yeah, she just gets like a little bit though. Mm. Like when she's like lonely, like Wheel of Fortune's on, he comes over. <laughs> Watches it with her? Yeah. Aww. Carol is now the caregiver for the former Pritchard residence. And she also tells this terrifying story. This is was the scariest thing that I have read in like maybe my life. Okay. But I'm also so scared of ghosts. Okay, so take that with a grain of salt. So she tells this story of walking into her own son, her own son's bedroom in her home. And she sees the sheets and the blankets from his bed standing about six feet tall and taking the shape of a man in the middle of the room. So this blanket man, like, looks to see and, like, notices her. Yeah. And the shape instantly drops to the floor and it's gone. That's in one of the Paranormal Activity movies. Fucking. It's very creepy. Terrifying. Yeah. When I say I would fucking leave my house and never come back, <laughs> I am not joking. It freaked me out to even read this, and reading it again is freaking me out. I don't know if you have can you tell. have you seen that paranormal activity? No, it's like when the girls are uh, younger and it like goes back, and there's a babysitter and she's sitting at their kitchen table like mm-hmm. doing homework or something, and they have the the nanny cam or whatever, yeah. and this person like standing under a sheet is standing behind her, and then she turns her head and it just goes <gasps> and falls down. It's very creepy. Dude, no. That's I couldn't handle that. I can't even <laughs> I can't even handle picturing it. It's pretty creepy. It's freaking me out, dude. So Carol also claims that she can hear the television from the Pritchard side mm-hmm. turn up the full volume in the empty home at all hours of the day. Oh, so he's just watching TV. Yeah, which I mean, honestly, I feel like it's so rude, dude. Like invite the ghost over. Watch a little Toast of London. <laughs> like, don't be rude, dude. Turn on Channel 4. Make some fucking tea for him, right? Love Toast of London. You got to. The property, like Nicole said, is now owned by Bill Bungay, who's a movie producer. He decided to purchase the home after filming this movie that was based on the Pritchard story. Which we still have to watch. I'm thinking we should watch it and then discuss it on the after show. Oh, that's a great idea. Fun. I'm very scared to watch it, so I can't wait. <laughs> I did see that the movie might be on Apple TV because I looked for it streaming, but I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't look too deep into it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also, it has a terrible score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So you know it's a great movie. (laughs) I I love a bad horror movie because it's not scary. Bill Bungby bought the home to use as a marketing piece for the movie, and that's where he had the first screening of it. That's the coolest screening I would say ever. So cool. And he has since held on to it because it was, quote, cool. Yeah. 
Pretty so dope, cool. dude. Yeah. Pretty cool. And fun fact about the movie, the director, whose name is Pat Holden, was actually Gene Pritchard's nephew. What? Yes. Yeah. So he was inspired to do the film because he had tons of experiences with the black monk from his childhood. Oh, then how can this movie be bad if he's like has direct access and has experienced this? I don't know. There's I a guess. lot of amazing movies on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes that have terrible scores. That's true. That's true. I hate Rotten Tomatoes for that reason. It's terrible. The house at 30 East Drive is now available for vacation rentals. Like you said, it's a bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I think we should go. I would love to. And I would go to this. I heard it's like booked though. Yeah, dude. It's like harder to get into than like Bella Swan's Airbnb. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We were going to do that. (laughs) We set an alarm to rent it, but then we missed it. And then it was like an hour later and it was all gone. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to try again. Yeah. There are a lot of very strict rules at the house. All visitors must sign a waiver releasing the owner of liability. Alcohol is absolutely forbidden in the home. And the use of Ouija boards is also prohibited. <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> prohibited. That's not what you said. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. I don't think that's what you said. Prohibited. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's also a request that no one attempt an exorcism at the house because it won't work, first off. Yeah. And it really fucking annoys Fred. Yeah, we already tried that. He's still here. Yeah. Like, remember the little kettle from earlier? He would probably, like, hit you in the head with that thing. Oh, yeah. He's going to throw potted plants at you. Mm, All day long. He will take your gloves and he will look fucking great in them. Wouldn't it be funny if everyone who brings gloves to the bed and breakfast, like they always just get lost because he's got a collection. That's his thing. That's so good. And there's like a montage of him like trying on different gloves. (laughs) But it's just floating gloves. And it's like, I'm too sexy for my gloves. Speaking of the kettle, his favorite thing, as you mentioned before, was to turn the kettle, like, to release the tea from the kettle yeah, over the and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have a very strict rule that the kettle must remain unplugged and empty unless it is currently being used by a visitor. Oh. You make your tea, you unplug it instantly. Cool. The website for the house cites 288 recent experiences at the house. Jeez. I read all of them. A lot of them are very lame. <laughs> We will go through some of my favorite ones, okay? Um, someone lost their keys, and they were found inside of a broken vacuum cleaner. Okay. There's apparently a bunch of dolls in the front room. Oh, that's not creepy. Which, why? Why? <laughs> Just add to the creep factor, right? I guess. And they move around at will. Ooh, like, like they'll their be faces, in different their heads turn. Yeah, like in different positions. <laughs> Creepy. A neighbor three doors down from the home saw the shadow of a tall man running past their back window and he just ran like right through the fences. Didn't have oh. to open them or anything. But it looked like a man. I was gonna say, how do they know that it just wasn't a man running past the window? But I guess the going through fence part, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's a poltergeist. People witness, or I guess feel, columns of ice cold air in the corridor, which is a British way of saying hallway. <laughs> and then half of the back gate—it's like a, a two gate situation—often mm-hmm. will just open fully at around two, three a.m. Usually on calm nights, doesn't have to be windy, just slides open, even if you put a heavy concrete block in front of it to keep it closed. 
So the black will move too. Mm-hmm. And my personal favorite from a visitor, he claimed that he saw blackness descend from the staircase and it so much so disturbed him that he fell into a fetal position to protect himself. He didn't like try to run. No. His instant, first instant fetal position. Um, I like to imagine he also peed his pants. Oh, totally. If you're going to go like full fetal position. Yeah. You are absolutely peeing your pants. Why wouldn't you just run? I'm so I, confused. I don't know. Wow. Play dead. Some people just fight or flight, I guess. Flight. Fetal or flight. That's how it goes. <laughs> Fetal or flight. Common types of activity that are being reported from visitors include still the foul smell, disembodied voices, people get scratched, other physical attacks like pinching or glove stealing, whatever. Unexplained light anomalies. A lot of people see a bright blue light in the hallway. Hmm. The corridor, you mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. We're in England right now. You're right. I'm so sorry. The corridor. People get super nauseous and they they, and they also see shadowy figures that cause them to go into like fetal mode, you know? Mm. Sometimes guests will find marbles that appear to materialize out of thin air. Weird. So, apertation. Wasn't there another case where there were, like, marbles? Am I thinking of a different... I, I don't know. I can't think that, of one. Maybe not one that we've talked about. But I remember, I remember like, mar- marbles being a thing with another poltergeist case. I can't think of it, though. So people will find marbles just randomly, like, materializing out of thin air. And then the marbles roll around on the ground. Just kind of, like, of their own volition. Hmm. Sometimes guests will also claim to find marbles in their own homes after returning home from the house in Pontefract. Nick Groff of Ghosts Adventures fame. Oh, yeah. He's the one that uh, Baggins kicked off. Yeah. (laughs) The exiled ex-Ghost Adventures member. The excommunicated one. Yeah. But really, like, the best out of all of them. I'm sorry. Have you not seen (laughs) Zach Baggins? I'm just, like, I'm not understanding what you're talking about right now. I've seen him yell at In this ghosts. house, we believe in three things, Nicole. One, Zach Bagans has poor eyesight because he saw a ghost once and it stole his cornea. They, they burned it right off. <laughs> Just like staring at the sun, okay? <laughs> Two, he always wears black. Why? He saw a ghost once, okay? <laughs> you getting the trend here? And three, yeah. he's the coolest ghost adventurer. <laughs> he is Nick, the ghost adventurer. Who's Nick Groff? So Nick Groff of former Ghost Adventures fame (laughs) and Katrina Weidman, who are both paranormal researchers, they have a new show. I don't know how new it is, but it's called Paranormal Lockdown. Oh, it's probably on like the travel channel. Yeah. All of them are on the travel channel. Yeah, it comes on after Ghost Adventures, which is really (laughs) embarrassing. (laughs) So these two investigated the house in Pontefract and they claimed, quote, almost as soon as the doors closed... There were purportedly strange goings on, which sounds like he's trying to, you know, make himself seem like the smart ghost adventurer because Zach Bagans would be like, it was hella crazy, yo. And like, that's all he would do. But like also be wearing all black. And then like you couldn't like really see his eyes because at this point he just has to wear sunglasses because his eyes are so fucked up from looking at so many ghosts. So Zach's the cool one and he's the smart one. Yeah. Then what's Aaron, the wild card? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then Brian is the useless chick. Yeah, Brian's the useless chick. Uh-huh. That's his name, right? Yeah. I don't, even, I don't know. even know. Don't Doesn't even know. matter. Giant nope. bird, probably. So they had a sense of dread. Almost immediately when they went to the house for their stay, 
they were hit by a sense of dread and the doors in the home began slamming shut and opening according to Nick Groff, which I kind of don't believe for some reason. Like, I believe everyone else, but for some reason, I don't believe him. You believe Zach Bagans over him? (laughs) Zach Bagans has never been here, so I don't know. What? Wow, that's one thing Nick's got over him. (laughs) The one thing. (laughs) Nick said, right when we stepped on the property, it felt different. There's an energy about it when you take a step into that location. It's haunting. It really is. Without anything really even occurring, you just feel it. You feel the energy and the sense that something there is lurking in the shadows. The paranormal lockdown team decided to reach out to Fred and ask him if he would move a ball for them. The ball supposedly began to move around the floor and they described him as kind of being playful. Okay, is there a video of this? I don't know. I didn't even look for one because I don't even believe him. You would think because he has a paranormal show yeah it's not well funded though like (laughs) it's not the ghost adventures it's not what do you think this is the production value is (laughs) shoddy at best then when he said oh fred you seem kind of playful fred gave him the middle finger and started (laughs) knocking shit off tables and he even threw a clock that was hung on the wall across the room do we know that he gave him the middle finger because he was wearing the gloves at the time specifically (laughs) so Uh he could they were sequined Mm, yeah which i like his style and then the two did an evp session and they heard a voice say desperata which means hopeless in latin but i would like to believe in my heart of hearts that he was trying to sing despacito (laughs) by justin bieber he's a total bieber fan you know he's a believer he's a believer i was trying to think of what they (laughs) call themselves he's totally a believer he's a believer (laughs) And there you have it, folks. That is the story of the Black Monk of Pontefract. The world's biggest believer. (laughs) Yeah. And glove enthusiast. The UK is for sure. Oh. Biggest believer. Most violent, uh, biggest believer, and has the largest collection of gloves. All right, everyone. Now it's time for the audience participation section of our show, where we gather around the campfire for the dark whispers in the corners, the tall tales, legends, sent in by listeners just like you or me. It's time for this week's Listener Law. And today's listener mail is from Agnes M. She begins, hey, smiley face. It's Agnes. Hi, Agnes. Hi, Agnes. And I know I just signed up. She's a Patreon member. She's a member of our common. Mm. I know I just signed up, but there have been, but there has been a ghost story that I wish someone would do a story on or something because I had a crazy paranormal experience at this place. So I'm originally from Windsor, Canada, but I'm living in Michigan right now to pursue my PhD. Smiley face. Oh, I love Michigan. I was just there on vacation. I love PhDs. (laughs) But anyways. Windsor has many little cities that surround that surround it, but in one of these cities, LaSalle, there is supposedly a haunted road called Texas Road. And at the end of that, there is a roadhouse. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> and uh, Patrick Swayze is always there. And they have great rolls. So good. The best. Cinnamon butter. Love it. Mm. This road is out in the middle of nowhere, 
And the one defining feature of this creepy-ass road is that it's lined with trees. At the very start of the street, there is a little cemetery with a bunch of old gravestones that are very hard to read. Supposedly, at the end of this street, there is an abandoned house where a family was murdered by the father. It is believed that the father's ghost haunts that road. I'm pretty sure I saw this, or some ghosts, what? when I went to Texas Road one night with my friends. But did you end up at Texas Roadhouse? That's, that's the what, question. That's what I want to know. It was the ghost of Patrick Swayze. Makes total sense. It's the only way. He doesn't know he's dead, so he's still trying to be the host at Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. He's trying to seat you and your friends. Solved. Fixed. Tip him, and he'll probably go away. <laughs> Years ago, my friends and I were bored one Saturday night, and we decided to go to Texas Road. Okay, so we got to the beginning of the road, where there was a little cemetery, parked the car, and then proceeded to walk down the tree-lined street. I don't know how it is now, but at the time when I went, you couldn't drive a car down the road. So we're walking down this road, and as we were progressing, I started getting a bad feeling like someone was watching us. Midway through our trek, more of my friends started feeling the same feeling, so we decided to turn back. We didn't make it to the abandoned house. There was a house! There is a house at the end of Texas Road. (laughs) And as we're walking back, I started walking faster back to the car because I was really getting weirded out. I was half jogging back to the car. When I got to the cemetery, I saw a shadowy figure walking through the cemetery towards me. I started screaming and running to the car and my friends, who were lagging behind me, started running to me to see what all the commotion was about. By this point, I was trying to jump on the roof of the car, screaming to open the door, because I could see the shadowy figure coming towards me. However, before it could come any closer, the rest of my friends caught up and the shadowy figure disappeared. No one saw a thing. Figures. And to this day, my friends think that I was full of shit about the ghost. But I'm telling you that I have never been on that road ever since because I was so freaked out. A few years back, there was a filmmaker that wanted to make a horror movie about Texas Road, but I'm not sure that they made it. I'm sending you this link of when the Canadian News did a story about Texas Road, and then she included a very cool link. No worry if you don't choose to do this story, smiley face. I just wanted to share one of the few paranormal stories I have. Thank you for your time, A, smiley face. Aw, thank you, Agnes. Thanks so much for being a part of our coven, too. We really enjoy having you guys. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, we should do a story about this. And then maybe we should go to Texas Roadhouse after. Yeah, for sure. So delicious. Visit the the Sways. Yeah. (laughs) If anyone else has a story about maybe a haunted road or delicious rolls or Patrick Swayze, we want to hear about it. Yeah, you can send your listener lore to our Gmail account, which is quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Or you could also just slippery slide into our DMs. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, basically all the social medias. All the bullshits. And if you want to be just as cool as Agnes and join our coven, join our Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash quiteunusualpod or... Check out the link in all of our social media bios. And we actually have to welcome a new member to our coven. So we'd like to welcome Sid B. Welcome, Sid. Welcome to the coven. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.
And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. Spencer W. Oprah. Who recently moved into a haunted house because the aesthetic was just so hot right now. Gotta get in that spooky season spirit. It's almost fall. To Tim M., an evil scientist obsessed with making the perfect human being. They've combined all the most flawless DNA, grew the cells in their lab, and when they finally revealed the specimen, it looked identical to Paul Rudd. Well, he is perfect. And he never ages. Never. Savannah L. thought it might be fun to buy the Amityville Horror House, to rent it for an Airbnb, but thought that the cleaning fees might be a bit too much. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm. To Samantha P., who has successfully used a Ouija board every single time she's used one. The key is just to move the planchette on your own. Spell what you want. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Lauren R., a captain on a ghost ship. It's not like a haunted ghost ship or anything. It's actually more like an afterlife pleasure cruise. Quite nice. I'd like to go. Mm. To Kaylee O., who once tried to fight Michael Keaton. We will miss your corporeal form, Kaylee, but it's great to see your spectral form has arrived to the attic. You will never win in a fight against Michael Keaton, He has nothing to lose. He has nothing to lose. Jess H., she ain't afraid of no ghost. Ghostbusters. To Evan K., an evil vampire with a heart of gold. They only partially drain their victims and leave their bodies piled up outside the door of a blood bank so the rest of their contents can be donated to the Red Cross. Mm, How thoughtful. Katie T., who is actually one of the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins, but like the tallest and most human-like, so it's her job to venture out into the human world for McFlurries and more glitter. You can't have enough McFlurry or McGlitters. No, no. To Christina N., a cryptozoologist with a working theory that Voldemort... Oh, I'm sorry. <gasps> he who shall not be named is actually the Michigan Dogman. Mm, I would think Michigan Snake Man more, but you know, Dogman works. Oh, yeah. clever. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. And we are not worthy. We are not worthy. We're not worthy. We're so not. Groveling right now to show you how not worthy we are. We're just not. We're not. 